What's up, Nicole? I have terrible news. Oh, no. Should I be sitting down? You already are sitting down. Perfect. Nailing it. Did you know that we can't criticize the fossil fuel industry at all because oil is in all of the products that we use every day? Oh, Nicole, have I got an episode of a podcast for you. Okay. Well, I have a whole shipment of Funko Pops coming, so we need to keep up with the oil for at least long enough for those. Okay. We can use oil until you get your Funko Pops in, but after that, no more oil. Okay. Hey, everybody. I'm Nicole Conlon. I'm Raleigh Williams. And you are listening to the Climate Deniers Playbook. Hot crackers. I'm excited. All right. So there's uh, there's this little debate between people who accept the conclusions of scientists and the people who, you know, sort of think scientists might be up to something. And that's basically that fossil fuels drive climate change. Climate change is bad. And so fossil fuels have to go. That's just kind of like that's the the side of the the scientist side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. However, people who are into fossil fuels have done this fantastic little end run around that whole argument. And they're saying, all right, fossil fuels drive climate change. Climate change is bad. But you know what's worse than climate change? Giving up our fossil fuels. Because that makes our lives worse. Okay. Checkmate. Because yeah. now, yeah, we agree climate change is bad. Uh-huh. But worse than that, worse than a thing we all agree is bad, is not having our fossil fuels, so we have to have fossil fuels. Right. Well, I mean, so far, I don't see any flaws with that logic, aside from, you know, if climate change keeps happening, we're all going to be dead, so we can't enjoy the fossil fuels. But but that's us in the future. We'll probably invent something out of that. But mm-hmm. right now, we have to use fossil fuels for basically everything because we're 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 already using our fossil fuels. And if we don't have them, then people will be worse off than if we tried to mitigate climate change. I got a clip to play that okay. I think is going to really clear this all up. This is from uh, April of 2022. It's Richard Maddeley and a climate activist named Miranda Whelan on Good Morning Britain. And this morning, this is Jam on Twitter. Speaking Unbelievably British man. Everything these stop oil protesters wear or buy or eat was delivered or manufactured using oil. And that includes the glue that they use to stick themselves to the road with. What they're saying is that your protests are by definition massively imperfect. I mean, the clothes that you're wearing, to some extent, owe their existence to oil because they were taken in a car or a truck or a van to a shop, you know? There are, there are so many ways that oil Im- impacts on your life uh, as, a, as a protester, but you don't acknowledge that. We're talking about crop failure by 2030. We're talking about people in this country right now in fuel poverty because of the prices of oil. And you're talking about the clothes that I'm wearing. No, This is so serious. To be fair, up to now, you've answered questions, but that's a complete avoidance of the question. What about the accusation of hypocrisy that actually you owe your lifestyle just as much to oil as the rest of us? That is the argument in a nutshell. Now, I will say as somebody who like actively really tries to buy things that don't have oil in them, Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Like I like the I actively seek them out. I am willing to pay more. I'm like I'm I'm going to be the consumer that makes a difference. I'm going to consume America out of climate change by purchasing these items with no uh, you know, polyester, sure. no butylene glycol in all of my various face slimes. Wow, and is that, a, that that's a thing yes, in face slime? I thought slime? I was allergic to it at one point, and so I was like trying to weed it out that way, and it's impossible. It's in everything. Wow. And the bottom line is, it's you. It's almost impossible to do. They don't give us a choice. Like sure. the reason that fossil fuels make up 
so much of the stuff I have to buy is like, well, I, there, there's literally no other option. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, not it, like my favorite part about this clip is that they brought a climate processor to talk about like their life and why they do what they do. And then they hit her with this dumb gotcha of like, mm, interesting. So you want to change something about society, but you have to live in the society in order to function. Wow. Big time hypocrite. So how can we trust anything you're saying? It's literally that meme. It's that meme. The, it's that like little the... guy in the well meme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's, I mean, it's, it is a kind of a wild take, but the question is sort of where did this come from? Where did this Mm -hmm. common talking point come from? And it turns out we can see it a million times in fossil fuel advertising. Mm -hmm. So I got a couple clips that I just want to show you here. This is just a little gross thank you fossil fuel ad from Life Powered. Here's an unexpected twist on Thanksgiving. While we're expressing our gratitude for family, friends, food, jobs, and other good stuff, let's include something extremely important that we mostly take for granted. This Thanksgiving, let's acknowledge oil, natural gas, and coal, for without them, life would be much shorter, way harder, and a lot less fun. Let's get real here. By historical standards, most of us are living in amazing, exciting future land. We could spend hours, days really, talking about all the ways that fossil fuels make our lives healthy, productive, comfortable, safe, and generally pretty great. All right, Amazing, so was, yeah. exciting future land. Yeah. Great writing, first of all. Second of all, God, there was a note where he was like, let us think oil, coal, and natural gas, for they are the ones who make all of this. Right. No one the talks holy like that. Trinity. Also, imagine being at Thanksgiving dinner and your family's like, let's all go around and say something that we're thankful for. And somebody's like, oh, I'm, I'm so thankful for my fiance. He really got me through some difficult times this year. Oh, I'm so grateful for my little brother. And we play together all the time. And then I'm just like, I'm grateful for fossil fuels and natural gas. Right. Or, <laughs> or yeah, somebody's like, all right, I want to do a land acknowledgement. Um, this <laughs> land belongs to uh, ExxonMobil, who has the drilling rights and the mineral rights underneath all of our property. Yeah, it's so that was from the uh, Clean Energy Alliance. I'm going to play one more clip here. Hit it. You will need to narrate this. So, uh, okay, Nicole, just great. like I'm say what you're seeing. A great narrator. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So, I'm going to pull it up and then you're just going to kind of say what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a woman putting on makeup in a car. Now she's going on a date with a guy in a bowling shirt. But what have we lived in a world without oil and natural gas? Okay. Now everything's going in reverse and. Life will be very different. Oh, her oil phone melted in her hand. Just everything you touch. And her, the the bowling shirt guy's hair goop went away. It's all sort of dissolving into a fine mist. Oh, the tires on the car exploded and then she got lipstick on her face. But that also, the lipstick on the face wouldn't be a problem because there's oil in that. That should have, that should also just dissolve right away. Yeah, I guess it would come off her cheek really. You know, so, oh, thank God, this lipstick doesn't stick to my face yeah. like crazy. Yeah, I guess I guess like this is the high budget version of an ad that we're going to see repeated about a hundred times where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you live a life like this and without fossil fuels, your life would be worse. In fact, like we can we'll take away those fossil fuels from you and you won't have them anymore. Yeah, we see the items of clothing people wear or the car they drive just disappear in front of their eyes and they're like, huh, what's going on? I mm-hmm. thought I had a beer in my hand. And it's like, <laughs> nope. Because that beer was in some way using oil products to get to you. Yes. So there's kind of like four big logical fallacies that this argument is making. We're just going to crank through them real quick. The biggest one is that people don't love 
oil and gas. They love energy. Right. It's not about what form the energy takes. It's about getting from point A to point B in a car. Mm -hmm. It's about living in a house that isn't freezing during the winter. Mm -hmm. That doesn't need to be done with fossil fuels. People don't give a shit about what physically is is going into the electricity. I would also argue that before maybe the 2000s, I don't really remember anybody having an argument over whether your home was heated by electric or gas. It's It was just sort of you moved into a house and that was what was there and fine. I think the the big thing that fossil fuels are trying to do here is get themselves equated with energy. Mm-hmm. They do provide energy. They're, they don't have a monopoly on energy. They don't own energy. And we have a ton of other things that are coming into the grid more and more. We have solar, we have wind, we have nuclear power. I mean, there are whole countries that are using more nuclear power than fossil fuels. France. Fuel. Yeah. France uses almost exclusively nuclear power because they don't have like the coal reserves that other countries do. Sure. And so for them to be truly energy independent, at least before like great renewables were available, nuclear was sort of their best option. Sure. And like, look, every country is importing a fucking million pounds of oil, but you know, like barrels and barrels mm-hmm. of oil every day. It's not like France or any country is really that energy independent right now. Like almost everyone is a net importer of mm-hmm. some kind of petroleum product or some kind of like fossil fuel product. But we don't need to be. We have for years created grids that work best with fossil fuels Mm -hmm. because that's what we had available. But now that we're actually like about to get past that technologically, the fossil fuel industry is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, man. Like, remember all the good times we had? Yeah. And uh, now they're sort of like, oh, oh, you want off of us? Well, fuck you because we do everything for you. And it's like, it just is pretty sweaty and it's kind of It is like a shitty boyfriend. Like, ugh, well, he stole all my money and he told my friends mean things about me, but he takes such good pictures of me for Instagram. And it's like, no, break up with him. (laughs) What are you doing? He is replaceable. He's as replaceable as oil and gas. You just got to like work a little harder to, you know, like Yeah, your boyfriend's not on the grid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually one of the problems. He refuses to be on the grid. Uh, Ironically... All the pictures he takes go right on your grid, though. Wow, look at that. Yeah. The more... Uh, you. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a thing that could be fossil fuel and then I remembered I hate puns, and that would be a pun. So I, my brain sort of self-destructed in, in a little bit. <laughs> so if, if most countries are net importers, I assume that means that there's a small handful of countries who do most of the exporting. Yes. <laughs> which did is it what like america russia and some like middle east yeah i mean states yeah you can think about it like there is a couple of countries that are exporting a ton of oil mm-hmm. and they're they're still importing some like the u.s is one of the largest producers of oil but we are a net importer because we, we use are a more net than, importer yes oh yes wow we use then why are we exporting some why don't we just keep the stuff that Watch we... Watch my goddamn video about <laughs> oil. Well, it's a lo- largely because we process a lot of different oil and other countries process our oil. Got it. But it's also because they're fucking private companies and they will export however they like because private oil companies <laughs> don't give a fuck <laughs> about us. They they are making money off See, of See, this it. is bullshit because I want farm-to-table oil. You could have that, but it's going to be olive oil all right the next big like logical move that's being played on us is the 
oh, you think you're better than me kind Mm -hmm. of argument where if somebody is being critical of a mainstream piece of infrastructure and you didn't really think of it before, it's sort of I think the the first reaction is to be like, well, fuck you, you little like hand wringing, (laughs) pearl clutching you know, like lib, like mm-hmm. wh- what do you, oh, oh, bread is killing us. We've been eating bread for a thousand years. You think gluten is bad? You know, it's a, sort of got this like immediate gut reaction that I think a lot of people tend to have, which uh-huh. is, which is there. They've been, we've been using fossil fuels forever. So like it must be good or at least okay. You know what else we were using forever? Hmm. Leeches. Oh, yeah. To treat illnesses. That's true. Some jujitsu guy that I was talking to Trustworthy. is all about bloodletting now. And I was like, no. are, you, are we talking about the same thing? What are we doing? I don't know. But it's like these old timey like technologies that people just became a little into and accustomed to. And now when somebody criticizes it, it's like you're criticizing them. Ah. Because they're part of this. They've it, we the oil companies have succeeded at making oil a part of our identity. Yeah, it's like when you're changing a habit, you're supposed to think of yourself like, oh, I I'm not doing exercise. I'm an exerciser. It's like right. it's it's not. I use fossil fuels. I'm a fossil fuel enthusiast. Yeah, now. that's right. Yeah, yeah, and it's it sort of smacks of the the candle industry getting overtaken by the flashlight industry uh-huh. you can kind of imagine an ad campaign by big candle that's like <laughs> the first invention of humanity the flame <laughs> and now we're turning our back to the fire because some limp-wristed inventor t- teetotaling in his lab by the light of candles i might add <laughs> Is inventing this thing that we don't even know if it really works that well and like it'll it'll run on batteries. Fire always lights up. Yankee Every candle. Time. <laughs> Yankee candle. <laughs> wow. Do you think Yankee Candle is like a really old timey candle company? That's I bet they gone were the I bet they they started in like the nineties. Mm. Not even in like one of the original colonies. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's like in Wyoming or something. <laughs> that kind of makes sense where it, you would you would you would want to brand a candle company something harkening like Liberty Candles or yeah. something harkening way back. But like if you were really a candle company back in the day, you'd want to name it like Super Bright Candle 3000 or something. <laughs> Super Bright Candle 3000. I'm patenting that. Nobody can take Super Bright Candle 3000. Number three, these fossil fuel ads are only pointing out the positive shit that fossil fuels right. have done. We power cars, we heat your home, you know, like we bring people out of poverty, fossil fuels are good. And it doesn't for one fucking second take a look at all of the bad shit that fossil fuels uh-huh. has done. We have put millions of gallons of oil into the ocean, we've destroyed ha- the habitats of countless creatures. You know, we've started wars in other countries. We have we have been the the sole factor for why you get invaded. There's like a million things that oil is doing that is destabilizing the globe because we are so hooked on the smack of oil and they don't ever talk about that in any of the ads. It's always like the positive part. Yeah, of you oil. never see a coal roller in a here's why oil is good ad. Yeah. You never see me on my little moped driving around and then getting blasted by a puff of black smoke that gets into my helmet. Ugh. And then I just have to live there for the next 
you know, until I could pull over and take it off. You have to do that um, Nicolas Cage from The Wicker Man where you're like, ah, ah, the beast won't bring back your honey or killing me won't bring back your honey. I've never seen The Wicker Man, but I know that's from The Wicker Man. And finally, and this is kind of the big one, saying that fossil fuels provided our modern lifestyle is taking away the idea that we might have developed a different, better way if we hadn't uh-huh. overused fossil fuels. If we hadn't like subsidized fossil fuels and protected them at every step of the of the way and built a grid around them, this is like it we don't have the counterfactual. We can't prove what would have happened. Right. So we just are left with what did happen. And so pointing at any positive thing as exclusively the result of using fossil fuels is deeply dishonest and doesn't take into account anything else. It's like me saying like, well, Twitter's not perfect, but that is how I got my literary representation was from Twitter while ignoring all of the immense psychic damage that Twitter has done to me over the past exactly 15 years or however long i've had yeah. it psychic and also attention span damage like yeah. you, you might ex- attention span damage it's like that's a new action hero <laughs> um but uh you might have you might have like sat down and wrote you know 10 novels right in that time like right. we don't know what you would have done if you didn't have twitter but it did you did have a bunch of viral tweets that got you like a, an agent i wonder i wonder if you put all of my tweets together if it would equal a novel just in terms of length. It might. Yeah. You know what? Some absolutely. I, love, I have a lot of tweets during basketball games that are just like, yes. So it wouldn't be a good novel. Wreck them. <laughs> that would be a pretty interesting read. If you could, if like somebody's Twitter feed actually did read like a novel. I don't know. Whatever. The point is, we'll never know. Right. How successful you could be <laughs> if you hadn't eroded your brain constantly on Twitter. It's a miracle I could still say complete sentences. Actually, it's it's even more impressive that you're you're as funny as you are and you're as successful as you are, knowing how much time you spent on Twitter. Yeah. So, really, we should be blaming fossil fuels for not being further along. <laughs> yes. Okay, that works for me. Honestly, I kind of do believe that. To be totally honest, yeah. I'm not kind of. I do believe that. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't need to couch that. So this isn't the only time that this advertisement technique of your life would be bad without us has been used. It's, it's like kind of the core of advertising. Uh-huh. Oh, you're having a hard time. Use our product. You'll have a good time. And it, like, it, it just works perfectly in reverse. You have our product. If you stop using it, you'll have a worse time. Mm-hmm. And these sorts of things, I think, are tend to be more like interest groups that are just trying to get you keep you hooked on it or talk about it or it was a slow day at the marketing office and we couldn't fucking think (laughs) of any good ideas so we just churned out another we dusted off another classic and played the you're gonna miss me when i'm gone card so here's one from 1940 called a case of spring fever Ooh, okay i hope i never see another spring as long as i live so, you never want to see another spring, eh? Okay, mister, I'll fix it so you get that wish. Who, who are you? The name's Coily. Coily the Spring Spike, they call me. I heard your wish and, well, you're going to get it. No more springs for you from now on. So the, uh, the springs he was working on disappear, and he sits up and he's like, oh, there's no more springs. And he takes his pocket watch out, and it's not working. No 
yeah. real quick. Yeah, I, uh, that should be self-explanatory. I don't know why you would have any questions about that, but go ahead. I honestly don't have any questions. I just want the <laughs> listeners at home to know that this commercial starts out with a man who has his couch jacked up like he's working <laughs> like he's on his mechanic. car. Yeah. And he's rolled himself under the couch. <laughs> Sweating fix, bullets. Fix the oily as a couch. mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a little cartoon... He's a spring, but also he has like a flame for a head. So it's like, okay, are you a spring or are you a flame or are you oil? Are you a metaphor? Nicole, I can't believe that that wasn't clear, but his <laughs> name is Coily, the okay. spring sprite. Okay. Oh, so he's not a flame. His head is the head of a sprite. I think his head is, I think a he's sprite, one of the fame I think people. he is a sprite. Okay. And I think a sprite, as far as I know, is like a little guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> And he is, he's sort of the goblin of the spring world, I think. Okay. And so... Uh, so does this commercial, is this a commercial I for Big Spring? I seriously cannot believe you it, have questions. Is it a commercial so for oil that after this, some narrator is like, imagine a world without springs. Now, imagine a world without oil. God, can you imagine the walk that you'd have to do? <laughs> springs to like, are only in some of the things we use, but oil's in many more of the things that we use. Nicole, it's just an ad for springs. <laughs> It's it's more a, a PSA that the so back in the day in the 1940s when there was like springs and the only people who played basketball were like white dudes who were five foot eight uh-huh. and they used peach baskets. The world was smaller. There wasn't a lot of shit and springs were had a bigger piece of the collective psychic pie. And so there were spring lobbies and this is a spring lobby or a spring group that's trying to like promote their springs spring fever also implies that they're like trying to fuck everyone was trying to fuck back then (laughs) there was nothing else to do there was nothing else to do so so all this goes to show this was already like kind of in the zeitgeist Uh of like oh you're gonna miss us when we're gone okay you better not wish for something else because here we are so that's in the 1940s so now we're in the 1950s fossil fuels are have really taken off we Mm -hmm. have Oil is being used in every car. There's like, you know, millions and millions of cars on the streets. In fact, I think it was in 1915, the millionth car went through Henry Ford's assembly line. Mm -hmm. So we've had 35 years of just car-centric infrastructure, which means everyone is using petroleum to power their cars. Mm -hmm. It's powering heavy machinery. There's like giant construction booms. Like World War II was a thing and plastic really came out of World War II in a big way. So fossil fuels are truly on top and exponentially growing. And so I've got an ad for you from the American Petroleum Institute. And I want you to just sort of say what you're, you're seeing. And I've highlighted some parts for you to read. Okay, so I'm seeing some little stylized drawings of <laughs> people having a hard time. Right. Um, not so long ago, we were driving Surrey's. Uh, And the picture above that is a horse struggling to pull a cart up a hill while a man behind the cart also pushes the cart. Yeah, they made made carts way too heavy. Not so long ago, we were driving surreys, crossing mud roads, or tied to the veranda. Then came progress in petroleum and the benefits we have all enjoyed. And then above that one, there's a family looking at a bunch of signs that say automobiles, airplanes, diesel engines, oil burners good roads it's they're not connected to anything it's just signs for the concepts of things imagine seeing those signs and being like what 
where am I? Why? <laughs> it's like when you go to like Disney World or something and there's one oh, of those yeah. signposts that's like, Tibet uh, is this way yeah, by yeah, yeah. 14,000 like, miles. There's like 40 yeah. arrows pointing yeah. to the different rides. Um, okay. And then the body of the ad says, the energy of petroleum runs our cars, trucks, and vessels, heats our homes, powers our ships and planes, our modern trains and farm machinery, and is the backbone of America's defense. In peace or war, the initiative of oil men working in privately managed competing oil companies provides America with the largest possible supplies of petroleum products of the highest quality at the lowest prices in the world. Real quick, what's the difference between running our vessels and powering our ships and planes? I believe they needed about 16 more words in that <laughs> sentence to fill out the copy. And so somebody got a thesaurus uh, and just kind of went to town on it. Hey, Frank, what's another way to say boat or ship? Frank's gone at lunch. <laughs> Fuck, I will draw your, your eyes one more time to in peace or war, the initiative of oil men working in privately managed Competing oil companies provides America with the largest possible supply of petroleum products. So, like, and don't forget, we, we got to be private companies. Yeah. Like, no government oversight. We're not communists. Right, yeah. And is the backbone of America's defense. So, oh, like, with so you're, putting, you're putting us all in danger if you don't use gas. Exactly. This is, not, uh, this is 1950. Mm-hmm. So, it's not even like you're putting us at risk if we don't use it. It's saying, like... Man, we are kicking so much ass with petroleum products. Thank God for petroleum. It's really powering everything. Boy, do we love it. Right. Let's go petroleum. It's not even really saying like, oh, if you didn't have it, you'd be worse off as much as it is saying like, thank God we have it now. Yeah. And we don't have to ever live like we used to live. Yes. So this is sort of like, oh, this is like a nice nice version of it. And I would be remiss not to have you read. This is from Life Magazine, uh, 1962. Just go ahead and say what you're seeing and read the highlighted copy. Jesus Christ. Okay, that's okay. not the highlighted copy. So this is this is underneath a, like a beautiful photo of a glacier. I can't really see the caption, but like, you know, looks like Alaska or something. Beautiful, huge glacier. The giant glacier has remained unmelted for centuries, yet the petroleum energy humble supplies, if converted to heat, could melt it at the rate of 80 tons each second. Jesus. To meet the nation's growing needs for energy, Humble has applied science to nature's resources to become America's leading energy company. Working wonders with oil through research, Humble provides energy in many forms to help heat our homes, power our transportation, and to furnish industry with a great variety of versatile chemicals. I guess at this point we were still so close to the Titanic mm. happening that we were like, fuck glaciers, right. fuck icebergs. Yeah, we just we want to know rid of Titanic. All that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah, tell tell all glaciers and icebergs out there that America's got shooters looking for them. Imagine if Chevron came out with an ad now that was like, we can melt any glacier. Yeah, you show me a glacier we can't melt and we will melt that motherfucker before lunchtime. Yeah, this is like such an interesting, like it's 1962, so they're not really aware of climate change yet. And so they're like, well, we make heat. Glaciers are really cold. We could fuck up this glacier with all of our heat. This is, I suppose, one of the rare instances of actual truth in advertising. Yeah. Because the glaciers be melting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so like, and this was in Life magazine. Yeah. Like this is a, they run this ad because they're they're saying, look how powerful it is. Don't worry about your future. We got you. We're never going to go away. Uh-huh. 
We we will cradle you in the in the slimy arms, the face goop butyrate arms of oil and petroleum products. Uh-huh. What was it? Butylene glycol. Butylene glycol. And then I think there's also like pentylene glycol. I think right. I think if you see anything with the suffix aline, mm-hmm. I think that's fossil fuel related and some way but it might also be the glycol part of it i don't know i'm not i did not do well in chemistry in high school so i think lean is a double bonded carbon chain okay um yeah ane is like propane is a single bonded carbon chain and then ene i think is is two bond uh, double bonded and then the buta and penta is obviously the number of yeah something. buta means two although like so does die so there's for some reason like they drop in buto it, but, but. How can we trust any chemistry at all Honestly. if they're doing shit like this? Yeah. You ever heard of methane? Oh, no. <laughs> Methyl ethyl propyl. Wow. There are, there's somebody listening to this and they were like, Raleigh, you dumb donkey brained asshole. <laughs> Butte is not two. And I want to tell you, thank you for that psychic energy. It changed my brain. And now I was able to reach back. And get the right answer. I never would have gotten the right answer. It's methyl, ethyl, propyl, butyl, pent, and then se- secta. Methyl, ethyl sexa, sounds septa. like a 50s Methyl, like, ethyl, yeah, like the, the Golden ethyl, Girls. Yeah, yeah precursor. <laughs> yeah, I'm methyl, ethyl. Yeah, she like, she smokes, she smokes like. I'm like methyl, methyl, ethyl. That's what it is. It's it's a radio play. Like, uh-oh. Looks like Methyl Ethel's got another case. Yeah. Oh, she's... <laughs> she's a detective also now. Wait, this is just, this is just poker, poker face. face. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we cracked that one. So, um, you know, it's the 60s, but then we start to lose a little bit of, ironically, steam hmm. in the petroleum world. So oil is losing ground because... You know, it's it's extractive and it pollutes like crazy, but people didn't really weren't really hip to that jive until we get a larger environmental movement cropping up. So we have the first Earth Day in 1970. We have these campaigns that are about anti-pollution and anti-littering and they're partially funded by the fossil fuel industry, but we don't need to talk about that um, because there is a there's a growing fervor around the world that like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be like lopping off the tops of mountains and just extracting right. coal and and just like jamming our little metal pipes into the ground and Now was that kicked off by any one event or sequence of events? Was it like cuz I I know that we often talk about like Silent Spring mm. as sort of like a a turning point. Yeah. Like anything, it's a a million factors mm-hmm. simultaneously kind of cropping up. I think there was like a, a reaction to the straight-edged 50s that the 60s hippie kind of we need to cherish the earth sort of fueled and then we have silent spring and then we have the 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 mobro and the garbage barge kind of floating around and people mistaking a lack of landfill space for america's landfills are filling up Mm -hmm. which is not the case i mean we have whole states we can cram trash into what are we doing in north dakota come on exactly exactly and i was going to say north dakota too because we as we both know North Dakota is the worst, the worst state. state. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's not if you're out there in Bismarck or, you know, name another city here. But the point is we're getting a backlash to this like drill, baby, drill. Um, that's never going to really take over. But in the 1980s, we start to see a little more of a self-awareness from the oil industry in these campaigns. Mm-hmm. So here is that same exact if you didn't have petroleum products, your shit would disappear Featuring a famous, another famous face, 
and a little bit of an extra topspin at the end about how we know we need to conserve a little bit. So I'm going to play it here. Use of topspin. Imagine life today without Leslie Nielsen. And natural gas. So that was a woman who w- was at a grill in the backyard and it just suddenly disappeared. Uh-huh. Lawnmower disappears. We still depend on them for almost three-fourths of our energy. And until other sources can be fully developed, we need to find more oil and gas. And we need to use less energy. If you'd like more information, it's available in the Energy Countdown book, free from Shell. Shell believes there is an answer to our energy problems. It is to find more and to use less. I so associate Leslie Nielsen with, like, the naked gun and, like, that type of movie that I was expecting some sort of loony antic, you know, get hit in the face with a pie or something at the end of that. It was just a serious line read. (laughs) Do you think he was he was trying to break out of his loony antics? No, it's phase? the opposite. Really? He was a serious actor for a long time to the extent that when they cast him in, I think it was the Naked Gun first, but it may have been Airplane. I don't remember what order they came out God, in. God, he was so good. He was so good. The, people were like, he's a serious actor. Why are you casting him in these roles? And his career had like petered out. So he was also like a little bit of a has-been at that point. Oh. And then he got cast in these roles and everybody was like, this is your thing now. Wow. <laughs> we're, we're doing this. You're so good at this. We're doing this for you all the time. Anyway, that has nothing to do with fossil fuels. I mean, it has everything <laughs> to do with fossil fuels because we were using fossil fuels, dramatic acting, for a long time. And then we realized, oh, we could actually pivot to renewables, comedic acting. Okay. And have a whole career. There we go. And everyone and, knows him from that now. And my guess is this commercial came out because bef- what year did it? 81. Like 81. So yeah. So this would have been like right before he made that pivot. Interesting. And, yeah. and but you can, and you, and speaking of pivots, which we were just now, you said it, um, <laughs> We can see the pivot that the oil industry is kind of taking. We got a little bit of an energy crisis happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not able to secure oil reserves the way that we like to, which is at the you know end of a gun or better yet, go into a country and own the land and mm-hmm. then send it back. So the oil oil constriction is happening and we're about to see like an oil embargo. But there needs to be a little more nuance in these commercials now. Yeah. So we're we're seeing the oil kind of reacting to the public sentiment about this. Like, we need to use less. You know, like, oh, until we can really develop the rest of them, we're going to need oil. But, like, don't worry. We're really trying to use less and use different sources. But, like, let's just get some oil for the last couple of years. Use less is, like, it's like you said, they're implying, like, your life will be worse. Like we're all going to have to make our lives a little worse because right. we don't have more oil. Yeah. And and until we can get the other stuff like solar power, we're going to have to just like make oil work for the time being, which nobody wants to do. Even at Shell. Uh-huh. Even at Shell. We don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I love oil more than anyone else. Wonderful oil. Everyone's saying this. <laughs> <laughs> we love oil, don't we, folks? Yeah. Yeah, so we have we have we start to get into the eighties and we start to get a little nuanced. We have this from nineteen eighty-five, which it's it's similar. It's not quite exactly on theme, but it's so fucking crazy that I knew I had to have you take a look at it. So go ahead and uh tell narrate what I'm handing you and then read the highlighted bits. Oh, Mickey and Goofy explore the universe of energy presented by Exxon. That's right. And then there's a so they're in front of what appears to be Exxon corporate headquarters and a dinosaur is waving them inside. That's right. This is the Epcot 
and the Exxon crossover okay. featuring Mickey and what Goofy. everybody wanted. Right. Um, wow. Okay. So they go. They go in, and Mickey's like, "Oh sh- boy, should I try to do a Mickey impression, or should I, I spare everybody?" I think everybody? you have to now. Here at the Universe of Energy, we'll learn about the fuels we use to make our lives better. Perfect. Not too bad, except for I botched the. It doesn't matter. Like Mickey, Mickey will botch stuff. I, I think that's like that's you doing the from Nicole to Mickey, which would be a great sequel from Justin and Kelly. <laughs> but from Nicole to Mickey, that's you doing the slider, and you got halfway. So you, we, you didn't, you didn't crank all, you didn't go all I the way to go Mickey, too far. but it was like a clear path to Mickey. I was worried if I went too far, it would veer into Michael Jackson territory. You didn't want love to, Michael Jackson didn't territory. Want to do that. So Mickey and Goofy are going into this basically a museum about energy in the fossil fuel industry. Yeah. Uh, also, we need to explore for new supplies of crude oil and natural gas. This is fun for kids. Kids right. want to read about this. Exactly. <laughs> oh boy, now I got to do a Goofy. Great. And we could always buy oil from foreign countries too. Sometimes we can't depend on other countries. Since 1973, our foreign oil supply has been cut off twice. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I remember how old Bessie had to wait in a long line for gasoline. And because gasoline was scarce, it became very expensive, too. And then Goofy's bewildered by some math. <laughs> 50 cents, 79 cents, a dollar. That's not Goofy. Uh, <laughs> and he's holding a little coin purse and flies are flying out for some reason. Oh, that means he doesn't oh, have any money. He spent too much money on yeah. gas. Um, okay, so ba- basically, this is a comic book for children, and we're getting a lot of heavy, like, overtones of those those GD Saudis. Yeah, the Saudis are charging off. us too much for oil. Again, exactly what six year old kids care right. about. Yeah, the little little kids are like, I want to see more stuff about in the Israel Palestine conflict. <laughs> uh, okay, one more highlighted side. Oh no, two more. Okay. Don't worry, Goofy. We just have to become more energy independent to find our own sources of oil. Classic. Mickey's always saying that. Yeah, he's very, he's, a, he's a real uh, climate hawk. So this is 1985 at Exxon Mobil. Exxon is having Mickey and Goofy talk about, oh, crude oil is mostly the only thing we can use. But in the future, we could use solar power. We'll use the solar power. Some people are already using solar power to heat their homes and water. Someday more of us may be able to use solar energy when it becomes more affordable. And then, boy, then there's a lot of detailed description of how you extract natural gas and then hydropower. I don't know. It's If I were a kid and I read this, I'd be like, Mickey and Goofy suck now. <laughs> like, still pretty gross that the Exxon is trying to... Indoctrinate yeah, children. You know, effectively Groomers. groom kill, yeah, kids. <laughs> but what we're seeing is them having to take the normally, like, the only thing you can use is oil and gas conversation and coal and add a little bit of nuance so that they don't get left behind but the way things are going environmentalists are getting a little more and more concerned climate change really hits the scene in a major way when james hansen testifies in front of congress in june and july of 1988 the ipcc which is the intergovernmental panel on climate change forms in 88 we have a lot of people suddenly becoming aware that this is going to become a global Mm -hmm. issue and I have a quote for you to read, and I'd like you to just read it out loud. Those who think we are powerless to do anything about the greenhouse effect, forget about the White House effect. As president, I intend to do something about it. Okay, Nicole, do you know who that quote is from? Based on the timeline you've given me, mm-hmm. 
I'm going to guess George H.W. Bush. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's on the campaign trail pre him becoming president. So back then, H.W. was able to campaign on climate action without being eviscerated by his own party. Yeah, I mean, back then, the Republican Party felt a lot different than it did today. Mm -hmm. First of all, it wasn't politicized yet. Like climate change wasn't a left versus right issue. It was Mm -hmm. like a couple of scientists were like, "Uh oh, this looks pretty bad. And some politicians were like, oh, we should listen to these guys. And the oil industry Uh, had a simpler time. Yeah, it was it was back when you know, Nixon made the EPA. Right. You know, this is like, it would be unheard of for a Republican president to create a a department that was supposed to have more oversight. So imagine that is like the entire platform of Joe Biden currently and every Republican is like, you fascist. (laughs) And that is what George H.W. Bush said in 1988. Uh So like, the conversation has swung pretty wildly. All right, so we have the Kyoto Protocol in 1997. The Kyoto Protocol was one of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's big policy mm-hmm. initiatives. It was It's named after where it was debated in Kyoto, Japan. And what it tried to do was have a top-down rule that countries were going to sign on to commit to lowering their greenhouse gases to a certain level by a specific year. Mm-hmm. And basically, because America didn't want to be told what to do or or relinquish any sovereignty or anything, and there were a ton of anti-Kyoto ads from the fossil fuel industry, and so public opinion was soured on it, they didn't sign on to the Kyoto Protocol. Got it. But because the Kyoto Protocol only needs a certain percentage of countries to sign on to it that represent like a, a particular amount of GDP of the world... Once 51% of countries had signed on to it, it went into effect. And it's like basically the one effective piece of top-down command and control climate legislation around. But it's still like barely policed and it's got all these loopholes in it. Right. And we have some of the Global Climate Coalition anti-Kyoto Protocol groups that are paid for by of course, the American Petroleum Institute, amongst other petroleum interests, putting out some anti-Kyoto protocol ads. And here are the ads. And I just want you to kind of like read them and look at them and notice how they conform pretty perfectly to the threat side of the fossil fuels are good for us. And if you take them away, you're a monster. Okay. So this first one uh, has a photo of a very diverse group of kids, the kind of which that, again, today's Republicans would be like, oh, it, white kids aren't good enough. Right. <laughs> um, but that was in the early 90s, just sort of par for the course. Americans work hard for what we have, Mr. President. Don't risk our economic future. And this is from the Global Climate Coalition. Tricky. Tricky naming convention. Yeah, paid for by all these giant oil companies. And it's it's basically saying that the Kyoto Protocol is is too expensive. And look, we all hate climate change, but this you know these this diverse group of kids is going to be out on the street because their families can't afford their houses anymore. And this other ad is called "The Only Thing This Treaty Cools Down Is America's Economy." Uh, and there's three different columns. One's called "This Could Really Hurt." <laughs> <laughs> I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to the Kyoto Protocol. Uh, that was a terrible Johnny Knoxville, by the way. He doesn't I, have a. He doesn't, I didn't he doesn't realize have a that you were doing. A, 
a Johnny Knoxville impression. You I thought you were me. just doing a quote. You got me into voices mode. And just do Michael Jackson as Johnny Knoxville. I'm Michael Jackson, and this could really hurt. I'm uh, Michael Jackson, <laughs> solving the mystery of the Kyoto Protocol. Um, okay, so the first column's called This Could Really Hurt. Second column's called If It's Not Global, It Won't Work. Uh, oh, so this is this is a version of like, well, freaking China's, China's not, got China's got yeah. coal power plants. Uh, and then the third column says, uh, Mr. President, don't sign a treaty that hurts our economy, which isn't much of a column heading, but OK. Um, and then this <laughs> this asks you to call one eight 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 four four facts or four facts climatefacts.org, which, again, is tricky. It's making them seem legit right when it's an oil company yeah and i do i do particularly love this section which is if it's not global it won't work yeah and the thing about the kyoto protocol is that do you know who didn't sign the kyoto protocol just america that's right (laughs) (laughs) almost every other country is a signatory to the kyoto protocol and america wouldn't sign it Despite the fact that it was like it's the only real binding treaty and it, it has been actually extremely effective uh-huh. in in like keeping countries on a vague track. Yeah. And the U.S. wouldn't sign it because of like bullshit like that. It's like uh, it's like if I'm trying to get better about cleaning and I'm like, well, I'll just clean for five minutes every day. And then one day I miss it. And then it's like, uh, well, I'm just going to let dust and socks take over my House in my I house. I love it would that guy. I love Dustin Socks. Dustin <laughs> Dustin Socks. Dustin Socks is my favorite so, baseball yeah, player. Starting player for <laughs> yeah. the for the Rays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also so fucking dumb when you're like, oh, what about China? It's like, wait a minute. So, do you think America is a leader or not? Yeah. Like, so, if we are a leader, then we lead by mm-hmm. example, or we lead by doing the right thing. You know, it's like. Uh, if if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? That's the argument of like, yeah. well, China's done, China's <laughs> jumping off a bridge. It's like w- you learned this as a tiny child, and it's also probably from s- Mickey and Goofy, yeah, or or from Methyl Ethel or somebody. <laughs> and it's a, like if this is self reliance, hey, you don't you don't do what other people do because you're better than them. Uh-huh. The the Republican platform is America first. We are better than everybody else. <laughs> But oh, but China's not doing it. Like so, we don't. It's like what are what are you talking yeah. about? It, it blows my mind every time. So from 1997 onward, we kind of have this all-out war, and these are the templates for how we see these ads. So there's we're gone are the days where it's just like, hey, oil is great. Like oh boy, do we love coal? Hey man, wait a minute, this natural gas stuff is great <laughs> for my house. And now it's only like coal is what we run on. And any naysaying of coal means you're Mm un-American. Every time you criticize oil, you're showing me what an idiot you are because oil made the buttons on your shirt. Mm -hmm. We get from now on, it's all offensive. My shirt doesn't have any buttons. That's true. That makes me an environmentalist. Way to go. Yeah, everybody ripped the buttons off your shirt. (laughs) And so over the course of from 1997 to now, I found literally a dozen ads just just by googling that are the same exact premise of guy doing thing or guy and girl doing thing mm-hmm. thing disappears oh no you, with a different different budget levels make the thing disappear <laughs> in different ways sometimes it's when it's when it's like a really fancy ad like this 
the effect is amazing. It's like the thing like dissolves into a bunch yeah. of pieces like it's the spaceship from Arrival at the end. Spoiler yeah. alert. They dissolve. <laughs> um, and if it's a shitty budget, the guy crouches down to like pull the lawnmower. And then, okay, okay, Kevin, stay there. Yeah, stay out of your Our position. PA comes and takes the lawnmower away. And then you, and just then you cut. can see Kevin has yeah. moved a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> but you can like, we have seriously, like we can, I can list them out. Now, are there any with an oil Sprite? I didn't find any, but I bet, you know what, Nicole, let's try to riff one real quick <laughs> right now. Okay. Do you want, which one do you want to be? Uh, I, I want to be, I want to be the guy. Oh man, I hate oil. I hope I never have to see oil ever again. Well, that can be arranged. My name's Ronnie the Oil Guy, and I'm taking all your oil to make your wish come true so that you have a nightmare instead of a fantasy. Well, I don't see how that could possibly... Oh no, now I can't cook my pot roast. That's right, you needed oil to cook your pot roast. And gas to heat it up. Oh, no, but I sold my watch chain to get this pot roast for my wife. That's right. And now your wife is dead because there was plastic products in her pacemaker. Why wouldn't you lead with that? Well, it didn't seem relevant until just now. Not relevant. She's my wife. I'm going to kill you, you little oily (laughs) fuck. This perfectly dovetails into the final piece of the puzzle for this fossil fuel ad of... Fossil fuels are the only thing that's good. Mm-hmm. And in fact, everything else is bad. And that is the moral case that we use fossil fuels for everybody in the globe. I'm actually a bitch because I, I want to stop using fossil fuels. That's right. You're okay. bad. You're a bad person for trying to take them away. Got you're it. at the at the least you're misguided and at the worst you're evil. Okay. Because fossil fuels are the only thing that people in poverty can use to get themselves out of poverty. Okay. This is from the Texas Public Policy Institute. It's from September 2018. And despite 70 years of pro-fossil fuel messages just like this, the title is A Story Americans Never Hear. (laughs) And to answer your question, yes, it is three full minutes long. Jesus Christ. Energy poverty is when you go talk to a grandmother in Swaziland and you realize inside that she's cooking and lighting and staying warm by a fire of some material in the middle of the hut. And you find out from her that the material is cow dung, dried cow dung. Societies where people have, have access to energy, um, they survive childhood, they live longer, they eat better, they drink cleaner water, and they learn to read. Darconian restrictions on financing projects that would have delivered electricity to people like that. People talk about we should have off-grid power for these nice little African communities. They don't need to be on a grid that links them to the rest of the nation. Just nice little off-grid power. Off-grid is no way to be part of the modern world. You need to be on-grid. And the only way to be on-grid is with coal-fired plants, uh, gas-fired, oil-fired plants. Okay, Raleigh, this is a rich text. Yes, this is a tapestry uh, my, I took of some notes lies. so we could talk about various things. My it. first note is that if you are interviewing somebody who has transitioned lenses, <sighs> you should take the interview inside. Take probably. it inside, yeah. This Especially th- if it's sort of overcast so the transitions lenses are only going like halfway. Are you hitting an S on the end of transition lenses? Is it? Is it not? Tra- I think transitions is the trademark. Oh, really? And... Uh, 
Lord knows, I don't want to be on the wrong side of the transition lenses, trademark lawyers. The the famously litigious transitions lenses lawyers, yeah. (laughs) That Um, is true. There were were many mistakes made in this this advertisement, not the least of which letting a guy with a fucking wooden puka shell necklace... Be the spokesperson for why we need to a oh, 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 white dude who is a month away from having dreadlocks talk about why Swaziland is in need of coal and natural gas. I'm so glad that you mentioned uh, African countries because one of the things that was interesting to me is they're saying like, oh, activists will say that off grid power is fine for these small African nations. But if you want to if you want to make progress, you got to be on the grid. Right. And that is, I think, conflating various things like like we're not saying that those people shouldn't have Internet or connection to the outside world, which is kind of what they were implying with the visuals. And especially now, like if you get to like uber libertarians, they want to be off the grid and have their own power. One of the biggest arguments for solar power is you don't have to rely on a utility that is gigantic and managed by someone who's not you. Right. It was so clear to me the line that they were drawing where like these countries don't have enough energy. And since fossil fuels are energy, you being anti-fossil fuel means you want to keep Africa in poverty. Uh-huh. And like that little, like the little merger of fossil fuels and energy with the little hand wavy, like everybody knows the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. Ergo, renewables cannot and will not work. Therefore, if you say you want renewables, you are some like fat out of touch, like lib who does has never worked a day in their life. And you're trying to keep these children in Africa in poverty. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just so clear that This this little like loop that they've done where it's like, oh, not only are renewables not working, but if you say you want renewables, what you really mean is that you want to keep these people in poverty. There was also, I don't know if you noticed, a little racism and exoticism. I did not pick up on any racism (laughs) in that advertisement about a a white dude talking about how we need to recolonize Africa. Yes. The other thing that I always pick up on from this sort of shit is where it's like, don't you see how much we can help them with fossil fuels? These people are starving and dying and we can sell them fossil fuels. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is it that the only time you are sticking up for poor people is when someone suggests that we should use an alternative to your product to help them? It's like, no, 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 no. These poor, impoverished people that need our help can buy our stuff fair and square. Oh, um, real quick, Mr. Exxon, what about all of the poor, impoverished people who suffer from like asthma or like torrential rains and flooding or like like 140 degree heat waves great question we will want to use fossil fuels to help those people too okay but fossil fuels are the problem yes that not enough fossil fuels and we can at a very modest price (laughs) we can provide those things okay okay first of all we need a moratorium on the word draconian until we can all agree on a minimum standard for what draconian means. Because regulations on energy exports are not draconian, definitionally. Jeez, yeah, and this idea that, like, we are in some way, like, cutting off the supply 
when all we have done for the entire history of America is subsidize the fossil fuel industry. Yeah. Like like the the only little regulations that have ever been put on the fossil fuel industry, like earned from the sweat of a thousand environmental lawyers' faces as they're like <laughs> crashing against the impenetrable barrier that is fossil fuel legal protection uh-huh. is like domestic. We are we are truly like like we are shipping anything and everything out that can possibly be shipped out to other countries and making them pay through the nose yep. or having other countries subsidize it and pay us or letting the U.S. government subsidize that shipment to pay the private company providing it. Uh-huh. This is like classic. No one is hurting me and I need I need more breaks. I would actually love to do another podcast episode about this, but just to touch on it real quick, when we're talking about renewables, there's the guy who says, wind doesn't always blow and sun doesn't always shine. As though these are problems that no environmental scientist or environmentalist has ever thought about. Like they are discovering, they're like, look, I I went into the basement of the library and I got the microfiche out and I looked through it and I discovered something terrible and that is that the wind doesn't always blow. Yeah. And and the assumption that there's nothing we can do about it yeah. or there's no way to like diversify your energy supply or like store energy somewhere. There's like many ways to solve this problem that they're implying don't exist. And also they're not doing anything to solve the problem. They are. And I know I said this before. They're selling the fossil fuels. Yeah. If you actually gave a shit and you were like, we want to help these people out of poverty. Give them the fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Like if that if that's really what you're doing, mm-hmm. then give them the fossil fuels because you just care about them. That being said, imagine an Exxon ad that's like, we love the poor so much that we gave a hundred billion barrels of oil away. Honestly, fucking do it. <laughs> you know, like if ExxonMobil it, it actually does that, then we can have that conversation. Yeah. But like they never it's not about the Mm-mm. poor people. It's about keeping their market share alive. Yeah, we got to get the Tom's Shoes guy to start his own oil company, and then yeah. for every barrel he sells, he gives, he gives a barrel one. away. Yeah. yeah, and like it's just a bunch of kids like running around and playing soccer like a Tom's commercial, but it's just like oil is covering the, the court. <laughs> They're and slipping, like, and slipping and sliding and getting around. In their eyes. Like, oh fuck! <laughs> All right, yeah. So, side note: soccer not played on a court, and it's called football. So, <laughs> double side note. That's that's an offsides note. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So basically, I just wanted to quickly put all this shit in the context of American history and the fact that coal, oil, and gas companies have been the darling of the U.S. government for mm-hmm. years. The government needed energy fast. Fossil fuels were the first ones to get there. We wanted cars primarily as our source of public transportation, and the government subsidized the absolute fuck out of all of this. We built all of our infrastructure around the fossil fuel industry, the private oil companies. The government cut them breaks. They R&D funding. There was a tax break in 1980 that subsidized unconventional natural gas drilling, which was fracking. Fracking, Um, It was a tax credit of about $10 billion dollars. Between the 22 years, between What's 19... $10 billion among friends? Yeah, amongst the friends that are the government and... The oil companies. <laughs> oil companies. <laughs> it, it was between 1980 and 2002. The U.S. Department of Energy invested like $137 million in gas research over the time. Government subsidized infrastructure, 
like roads and highway programs, like Eisenhower made America's highways happen mm-hmm. using tax money to fund the vast majority of them. We subsidize refineries, ports, storage, transportation, distribution. We lease oil companies land at like bottom of the barrel bargain basement prices. Industries have been entangled with the U.S. government for years. The fucking president of GM, Charles Wilson, became the secretary of defense and then went back to the GM board. Like we we have been coddling fossil fuels for years, uh-huh. which which shows two things. Number one, they are not the victims. And when you have privilege, equality feels like oppression. Mm-hmm. And obviously we can build a grid around an energy source. We've already done it. Yeah. We can do it again mm-hmm. around an energy source. And frankly, that, we're going to have to because the yeah. American grid is not doing great. Holy shit. We're going to have to rebuild it anyway. We may as well rebuild it around renewables. That's right. And and like for all these reasons and more, this fucking trope of you owe your whole life to fossil fuels is, in my opinion, a whole bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Nicole, the world of climate activism has not been racking up a ton of W's lately. What? Yeah, I hate to be the one to break it to you. Oh, boy. But it's officially time to chalk one up for the good guys. Because thanks to the work of a bunch of climate activists, the U.S. government has officially paused the permitting of new liquefied natural gas, or LNG, export facilities. New facilities will now be required to factor in the local impacts and climate implications of building a bonanza of new natural gas infrastructure across the country. Man, really taking a swing on the word bonanza there. I wanted to put a little top spin on it. All right, you've probably heard a lot about that natural gas project CP2 or Calcasieu Pass 2 getting stopped. This was that. The decision stalled CP2 and a bunch of proposed LNG infrastructure that would lock us into untold decades of additional carbon emissions, methane emissions, and your favorite, Nicole, regular old-fashioned pollution. This LNG pause was brought to you by the blood, sweat, and tears of climate activists and advocacy groups who have shown that getting loud about the climate crisis can actually lead to real-world results. Now, this is hardly the final nail in the natural gas industry coffin, but it's a great step in the right direction for the climate and for the frontline communities who are threatened by these new LNG facilities. I mean, how dare they have houses where the LNG wants to build? It's going to take a lot more of these steps to meaningfully cut emissions, protect our public lands, and ensure that American families have access to clean energy for the long haul. So let's take the win and keep fighting for climate-focused policy at every level of government. This message was brought to you by our friends at Climate Power. For more information on LNG policy and what you can do to get involved, visit climatepower.us slash action dash hub. That's climatepower.us slash action dash hub. Hey there, a little inside baseball. We record this very podcast at the Climate Town office. And if you're not familiar with Climate Town, it's a YouTube series we make for as cheaply as possible. And that means schlepping our camera equipment all over New York City. Yes, our backpacks are full, and the gear we reach for every time is peak design. That voice you just heard is Ben Bolt, the executive producer of this podcast and of Climate Town. That's right, Riley. I mean, this is an ad, but we are genuinely loaded with peak design gear, from backpacks to sling bags to camera camera accessories. And by we, I usually just mean Ben. Ben literally has like seven things from Peak Design on during any given shoot. Yeah, really. I mean, they make good stuff. Uh, My freaking phone case from Peak Design. My phone charger on my desk. That's Peak Design too. My out front bike mount that I can put my phone on. Guess what? Peak Design. You know that little tripod we use on Climate Town shoots? The little travel tripod? The little travel tripod. They got organizers. They got straps, clips, 
duffel bags, everyday bags, and they're not f***ing around. Peak Design gear is guaranteed for life, whether you buy it firsthand or tenth hand. And they can make that kind of commitment and not go broke because they build stuff to last. As my father would say, it's built like a brick shithouse. And now I'm hearing it out loud, that term is a little dated. Peak Design is a certified fair trade B Corp that prides itself on recyclable materials, and it lobbies lawmakers in D.C. for environmental legislation. They're also the group who nominated Climate Town to be an environmental partner with 1% for the planet. So double thank you. And they also have been a podcast supporter of ours from day one. And also, also, they just make really good stuff. So go to peakdesign.com slash playbook. That's P-E-A-K design.com slash playbook for 20% off some of our favorite products and a picture of Ben on set dripping with Peak Design gear. I'm literally going to try to put as many pieces of Peak Design gear as I possibly can into one picture. I'm glad we just got health insurance because Ben's back is going to be demoed. But not because the Peak Design stuff is heavy. The other shit that we put inside well, in it. Well, in bulk, it's heavy. If you if you stack enough all... Peak Design stuff. <sighs> yeah, okay. I'm but not saying it's sweet... heavy gear. They got a it's good shoulder gear. strap. It really takes the weight off your it's shoulder. It's going to crush you to death. If that's how I got to go, sayonara. If you're anything like me, you get kind of bummed at the thought of your bank loaning your hard-earned money to fossil fuel companies to build more oil and gas infrastructure. And not like a little bit. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars in financing every year. If you'd rather know your hard-earned cash is staying out of the fossil fuel industry's oily hands, look no further than Atmos Financial. Atmos boosts your savings when you set up automatic donations to pre-approved nonprofits, offers fee-free personal business and joint savings accounts, and cash back on environmentally aligned purchases. Best of all, your money will not go to help oil and gas. A lot of other people still will, but yours, my friend, is off limits. You can't have it, oil and gas. And for the record, I genuinely use Atmos. I got the card in my wallet, and I signed up when I was quarantining for 10 days for getting Omicron at a pool hall in England. Assuming you're not listening to this podcast ironically, Atmos Financial is putting your money where your mouth is by providing a climate-friendly solution to customers concerned about what the deposits in their bank account are funding. So head on over to joinatmos.com playbook to sign up and make a difference with your dollar today. So we have come to the final question, is this misinformation or disinformation? So a quick little nomenclature check. Misinformation is sort of incidental or accidental rumors that sort of get cropped up and and spread around because they're juicy or interesting or something. And disinformation is intentional lies or half-truths that are meant to sow the seeds of something. I'm glad you cleared that up for the listeners at home because I totally knew the difference between misinformation and disinformation. What are you scribbling down on your arm right now? Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Sharpie, like it's memento. (laughs) (laughs) And I think what tends to happen is that either it'll start as disinformation and then spread into misinformation Mm -hmm. or start as misinformation as like a rumor or something. But... I think it probably started out as misinformation, you know, like it started out as advertising for, hey, oil and gas is great. Invest in us. Put your faith in us. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get a bigger market share. We're trying to expand. And then as oil and gas companies became aware of climate change, which they absolutely did in 1977, Dr. James Black gave a giant speech to Exxon, but about the impending climate catastrophe that CO2 in the atmosphere could create. Mm -hmm. They had the best climate scientists in the 80s. And then in the 90s, they decided that they were just going to do a full on disinformation campaign Mm -hmm. to try to emphasize a doubt that didn't really exist by paying people to sort of claim something was was not sure the science wasn't settled when it really was. 
So I think we can we can pretty comfortably say that all these ads where your fucking vacuum cleaner disappears <laughs> if you try to plug it into the wall in a world without oil. These are disinformation. Mm-hmm. I think that totally makes sense. And now, Nicole. Yes. I know I said I was done having you read shit. I don't but, think you said that ever. Well, I did just now. I, I, I'm done having you read shit. Clip that. Put that earlier. <laughs> now, I, Nicole, I know I said I was done having you read shit. You did say that. But I have one final thing to go out on, and it is called... Greta Thunberg's perfect petroleum-free world. <laughs> I saw this when it was shared by a relative of mine on Facebook. You didn't tell me that this was called Friday Funny. I'm sorry. Greta Thunberg's perfect petroleum-free world. It is. Yeah, it was It was uh, gleaned and shared some 10,000 times on Facebook. <laughs> and all the comments were, true, right, right on, take that, Libs. And then and that one that said, like, buy Ray-Bans, 20% right. BOGO free. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Blue Chew. (laughs) This is hard to say. I know. Friday Funny, Greta Thunberg's perfect petroleum-free world. One crisp winter morning in Sweden, a cute little girl named Greta woke up to a perfect world, one in which there were no petroleum products ruining the earth. She tossed aside her cotton sheet and wool blanket and stepped out onto a dirt floor covered with willow bark that had been pulverized with rocks. What's this? she asked. Pulverized willow bark, replied her fairy godmother. What happened to the carpet? She asked. I don't know what Greta's accent sounds like. That but sounds. I assume it's that. Okay. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. But I, I will note, like, in terms of story structure, Greta Thunberg isn't a little bit surprised that a fairy godmother yeah, popped we up. Maybe she was introduced in a previous Friday funny, and she was just getting getting going. <laughs> I what I think is, and I gotta I gotta tell you this. I think this this writer is just not very good. I think that's true. I will also say we've had lots of flooring types before oil. Why is she on willow bark pulverized with rocks? Yeah, you think all these assholes from Deadwood? (laughs) hardwood floors. Like, there's lots of options. Rugs? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, those, I mean, yeah. So, problem, that's probably the biggest problem with all this. It sounds to me like she actually prefers pulverized willow bark to rug technology. Yeah, I think, (laughs) that that would be my guess. Okay. What happened to the carpet? She asked. The carpet was nylon, which is made from butadiene and hydrogen cyanide, both made from petroleum, came the response. Greta smiled, acknowledging that adjustments are necessary to save the planet, and moved to the sink to brush her teeth, where, instead of a toothbrush, she found a willow mangled on one end to expose wood fiber bristles. Your old toothbrush, noted her grandmother, also nylon. Her grandmother? Sorry, Godmother. Oh wait, <laughs> that, oh, was not, that was that. I thought I was funny. like, man, they really blew it. <laughs> okay. Also, like, are they selling Willow? Like, why is Willow everything? <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I think there's probably first of all, clever use of the word mangled to like be a little bit of a subliminal message, but right. also like, I'm pretty sure they had teeth cleaning devices yeah. that were not just like a fucked up branch. Yeah. You don't think they had fucking brushes before <laughs> they had uh, oil? All right, uh, your old toothbrush, noted her godmother. Got it. Also nylon, where's the water? Boy, it's a little tough when there's a lot of W's, huh? Yeah. 
Where's the water? Asked Greta. <laughs> Greta attempting to do her best American accent. Yep. Yeah. Uh, down the road in the canal, replied her godmother. Just make sure you avoid water with cholera in it. Why is there no running water? Greta asked, becoming a little peevish. Well, said her grandmother, who happened to teach engineering at MIT. So she probably sounds more like, where do we begin? Wait, so the fairy godmother needs a job? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, fairy godmothers don't get paid. You never see the part in the story where the princess pays the fairy godmother for her services. I I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say a fairy godmother probably doesn't need to eat food like a normal person. Problematic. What? (laughs) Did you write that? No, keep going. Well, said her godmother, who happened to teach engineering at MIT, appeal to authority, where do we begin? There followed a long monologue that this author was not technical enough to be able to write. I I totally... (laughs) So so read it read it as written but then like let's let's okay. tee off on that because that's such a funny part like not even a page into your story you get <laughs> bored of the thing that you're writing There followed a long monologue about how sink valves need elastomer seals and how copper pipes contain copper, which has to be mined, and how it's impossible to make all electric earth-moving equipment with no gear, lubrication, or tires, uh, etc. But like... The Romans had running water. Sure. Yeah, it's called an (laughs) aqueduct, right? Like, we, we have this technology already, but I cannot believe that a hundred words into this, like total dunk on Greta Thunberg. You have to just punt it to the audience's imagination of what a smart person yeah, would say. Yeah, imagine some boring shit here and like you're a imagining smart, football. Shit. Yeah, you remember fucking uh, Goodwill Hunting when he just goes to town on that guy? That's right. That happens now. <laughs> and it's fucking cool. And Greta's cool. an idiot. And Greta's like, wow, you're so smart. And the godmother sounds smart. And Greta's stupid. Paint a picture in your mind yeah. of that. And that only works if the person reading this already agrees with all this dumb premise bullshit. And then the final section, this represents only a fraction of Greta's day, a day without microphones to exclaim into and a day without much food and a day without carbon fiber boats to sail in, but a day that will save the planet. What What are those three microphones? Uh, well, they're much m- food. Yeah, m- much food. So <laughs> you know how there would food be some was, food. Yeah, a lo- even a lot of food. And I've seen Game of Thrones. It's not like America has silos full of grain that are rotting because of our perverse incentive structure to use fossil fuels to grow the grain yeah remember when we first discovered how to make much food when we had oil what is what if we put two chickens together no that'll never work just as a side note the last time we went to france uh my friend's company gave us like a ton of money to go to a really nice restaurant and one of the items on order was like half a duck sewed to half a chicken god and I was it was it like it hot dog style, not yeah, yeah. It wasn't style. like turducken. Okay. It top, was like top of duck, bottom of chicken, mm, or I don't the know perfect it... animal. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's just uh, fine dining is stupid. With, with an Oakland face and an LA booty, no LA I, face I and I an Oakland booty. I want a girl with a chicken face and, and a, a duck, duck booty. booty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, a day without much food and a day without carbon fiber boats to sail in, but a day that will save the planet. Like carbon fiber boats? Like we have boat technology that's just fine. Yeah, that famously, is fucking boats wood. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is okay. Uh, now he says, tune in tomorrow. So it was a fairy tale. Now it's a TV show? Yeah, or okay. a radio play. 
Tune in tomorrow when Greta needs a root canal and learns how Novocaine misspelled is synthesized. <laughs> Again, medical purposes are not the first oil I'm talking about cutting. Yeah, this is classic, like the, the human shield of impoverished people. Oh, you want to take away petroleum products? Well, take a look at this starving boy and tell him that he can't eat much food today. <laughs> it's so now, fucking crazy. I will give this writer a little credit where credit is due. It was pretty good that he planted the seeds of the root, root canal in episode one when she oh, has a willow fiber tooth. Literally right. planted the seeds of the willow tree. Wow. Uh, and then she needed a root canal because of her shitty toothbrush. They they hate her so much. It's that wild. A punchline is this little girl is going to be in so much pain. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Boy, will she be hurting. Oh, man. Got her. Yeah. So, Nicole, you're at Thanksgiving. and oh, love Thanksgiving. And you get, you're, you're, you're filling up on mashed potatoes and gravy, which you freaking can't get enough of. That is true. Is that true? I fucking, Thanksgiving food, dude. There have been several Thanksgivings that I was like, I may have eaten myself to the point that I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. And that is much food brought to you by Petroleum. <laughs> now, let's say you're at Thanksgiving and you haven't quite maximized your food intake. Uh -huh. And your your uncle, let's call him Ron. Okay. That's um, perfect because I don't have an Uncle Ron. So if any of my uncles listen to this podcast, they will know it's not about them. Not about them. Your Uncle Ron is saying like, hey, Nicole, notice you were doing a climate change podcast and mm -hmm. I couldn't help but notice that uh, I drove here today in a truck and everybody else did too. And if we didn't have oil to power our trucks, we wouldn't be able to gather around for Thanksgiving and eat all this much food. <laughs> Okay, well, first of all, Uncle Ron, thank you so much for listening. I hope you subscribed and rated five stars. Oh, I do. It's a fantastic podcast. You thank and your you so co-host Raleigh is our dynamite on the mic. Thank you. You R might not it's agree riffs. with our you guys message, are goofing but and riffing. you like the jokes. Yes, very much. Uh, second of all, you guys should have carpooled. Why did everybody bring their trucks? Well, we were just coming from slightly different places, and I had to leave. Five. I had the sweet potatoes. So I needed to leave. So you needed your own truck. Yeah, you know, I, I like. You filled your truck bed full of sweet potatoes. I just well, it's just one. I strapped it down to the center of the truck bed, and I don't like it sliding around. So uh -huh. it took me a little longer to ratchet. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, to your point about us needing fossil fuels, I don't think anybody loves fossil fuels. I think we love the energy that we get from fossil fuels. Ah. And I think. There's lots of different ways to get that energy. I don't think, I know there's lots of different ways to get that energy. Uh, but because fossil fuels have been so dominant, uh, our lives are currently chained to fossil fuels, but they don't have to be. How does that sound, Uncle Ron? Wow, incredible. Is this a picture of you and your sister when you were skiing? <laughs> it sure is. Wow. Love your lovely house. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's about how that conversation could go. Yeah, Raleigh, do you have any do you have anything that you would like to add to my defense of this disinformation attack? No, I think that's kind of it. Where it's like, I think this idea that we need fossil fuels is largely predicated on some stuff would be really difficult to do without petroleum. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we have to continue to use 
as much petroleum as we are. Yeah. It's like sometimes you need a flame, but that doesn't mean that all of your problems are solved by candlelight Mm -hmm. or by candles. But so many of our problems can be solved without using petroleum. Mm -hmm. And we're just not even attempting that because of the stranglehold the petroleum industry has on our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And even you telling me this when you don't really give a shit about oil, you just care about driving your truck around. You could do that with an electric vehicle, but you've been taught and you know tricked into thinking this. I, I don't think people like to be told that they've been tricked. So maybe I would go about it in a slightly different way, like Socratic method. I'd ask him stuff. Ah. Nicole, thanks so much for joining us. Raleigh, I'm your co-host. I'm here every week. Yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a threat? <laughs> uh, let's just say... This podcast could not work without oil and gas. And if you for a second say it's bad, maybe the podcast will go away. Oh, no. Yeah. So here's a handful of oil. (laughs) Oh, oh, why isn't this in a mug or something? How dare you? (laughs) It's oil. It powers all the lights. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Now, excuse me. I have to go brush my teeth with a tree. The Climate Deniers Playbook is hosted by Raleigh Williams, that's me. And me, Nicole Conlin. Our executive producer is Ben Bolt, and our audio producer is Gregory Haddock. Theme music from the wickedly talented Tony Dominic and artwork by Jordan Dahl. Who, yes, okay, is my boyfriend, but that's not why we hired him. We hired him because he's very good at art. And our researchers are Knut Haraldson, James Krugnail, and Carly Rizzuto. And finally, a very special thank you to Peak Design. They helped us get this podcast off the ground, and they also nominated us for 1% for the Planet, and now we're an official environmental partner. So if your company is a 1% for the Planet member, well then, I guess you're just going to have to draw your own conclusions. I heard your wish and when-